Thank you for stopping by the Nomberg Law Live podcast. Each week, we have interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. This week, my guest was David Shear. David is a longtime resident of Birmingham, Alabama. He runs a website that gives a voice to the folks of Alabama and Birmingham. It's called Comeback Town. David loves our city and he points out all of the things that are good, that should be better, and where we're going with the magic city. We hope you'll enjoy this episode of Nomberg Law Live podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and a review, and subscribing will ensure that you get each podcast as they come out on a weekly basis. Thank you again. Good morning, everybody. It's Bernard Nomberg with another weekly episode of Nomberg Law Live, as we have been for the last few years now. We come to you at 10 o'clock uh, Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, with our conversations with just interesting people in their areas of expertise. And I certainly have found a good one for today. My guest is David Shear, one of Birmingham, and I think one of Birmingham's leading advocates. He loves our city and our state and just he writes about it and just shares so much we're going to get into all of that good morning david thank you for sharing some time with us today good morning bernard so glad to be with you today oh my my pleasure i've been looking forward to our conversation for a while and for any of you guys who've been following our show for a while i've had guests for the last few years to the who are just um, all over the map with our city uh, historians, people who've lived here for decades, people who live in the city limits, people who also live in the suburbs, and just their shared experiences. It just helps me to learn and to share what Birmingham is about, and David really is is one of those people, and I'm so glad we're going to get into it, but David is the, the founder and the brains behind Comeback Town. Comeback Town, and I'm going to let David kind of introduce what it is, but it's one of these uh, places that I think that is it gives voices to people in Birmingham and to our great state of Alabama. And David, before I butcher it even more, please introduce a little bit about Comeback Town while I share the link to the website in the show notes. Right. Well, thank thanks for asking, um, Bernard. Um, how I started Comeback Town a little bit over nine years ago. It's at comebacktown.com. And um, the reason I did it was that I'm a member of a, a civic organization and I was sitting at, a t lunch at the lunch table at the meeting and went around the table and people were talking about all their children. And all of these were grown children, mostly, and all of them said that their children had left Birmingham. And there was one fellow there who, who had actual children of school age and he said he couldn't wait for his kids to grow up and leave Birmingham. So I said, man, this is kind of depressing that, um, that we have such a great city here and yet we're losing all our children and grandchildren to other areas. And so I said, well, maybe I could start um, an, a blog and start having a conversation about what we could do about the history of Birmingham, what we could do better. And when I say Birmingham, I'm People get confused because sometimes they think we're talk talking about the city of Birmingham. Well, city of Birmingham is certainly included, 
but I'm talking about the Birmingham region. And um, so we publish a column once a week. We've done it. We've done a, about 500 of these things over the past close wow. to 10 years. Um, I started writing most of the uh, pieces myself and realized you can't have a conversation if you're the one who's mostly doing the talking. So I mostly now have guest columnists. And so we have columnists that talk about all the things that they want to talk about, about our region and Birmingham and things that we can do to make it better or just our history or problems that we have. Um, I have a true love and desire to make our Birmingham region better. Um, so this is not necessarily, a, you read it and see only great things about Birmingham. Uh, the sort of tough love in many cases, we talk about some of the problems, some of the issues, you know, what we can do better about it. And sometimes I get criticized for being negative, but that's really not the point. If you can't identify the problems, you can't have an opportunity to try to solve them. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. What kind of responses are you getting? What, what is it? Is it, uh, I guess, all over the board or is there more criticism or more love or how would you categorize it? it, it it's all over the place. Um, um, first of all, I mean, the audience comebacktown.com has grown significantly since we started it. I was very fortunate that within a month of having starting publication that AL.com started republishing every piece. Oh, wow. So not only does Comeback Town have its own audience, but AL.com sends it all over the state. And so between that and my email distribution list, which is included in that, um, um, there's a lot of people who read Comeback Town. Um, and I think that most people probably understand what it is that, that we're trying to accomplish here. But then there's gonna be some people that don't wanna hear about our past that don't want to talk about our problems. They only want to talk about the great things here. And then there's some people, which is was the big surprise to me, maybe not so much, but that um, some people um, just no matter what we do, they don't like Birmingham, which is hard to understand why someone who would live here would be so negative about it. I think you've seen a drastic difference in that in the last few years as Birmingham has progressed because you know, back in before, say, Railroad Park, there was which happened in 2010, there was generally people agreed that nothing good was ever going to happen in Birmingham. I mean, there's nothing we could try that was actually going to work. And uh, then Railroad Park happened in the region's field just came about next there. And then one by one, we just had happened to have one success right after the other. And um, and so I, you see so much more positive around here than you ever did before. Um, we're still struggling in some areas that I'd kind of like to maybe talk about here in a second and what we could do, maybe possibly do about it. But that's, things are much better than they used to be for sure. David, I, I moved into Forest Park and down close to downtown in the fall of, of 1994. And I've lived in Forest Park ever since. And I love my neighborhood. And one of the things that I truly appreciate is its history. There's all kinds of books about it. And it's just, it's a beautiful old neighborhood. It's the houses are not uniform. It's just very uh, eclectic, if you will, in places. And one of my uh, methods of e exercise is I love to ride my bike downtown, particularly on the weekends. And over the years, as you mentioned, with the, the uh, with uh, Railroad Park, with Regions Field, 
with the rotary trail. I can go on and on and on. I love what I'm seeing down there, particularly when I'm riding my bike and I see so many people out doing so many things. And one of the things that's always kind of bugged me being a resident of Forest Park is that people who live in the suburbs or who don't live near the downtown area or don't work in the downtown footprint have a, I think, a misconception about what's really going on down there. And when we had the events that happened last year downtown and the, the, the uh, I guess it was in response to the George Floyd uh, killing and the, the Black Lives Matter movement and things, it just, I don't know, it made me sad for our city that those who really don't know what a, 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 a nice place Birmingham has become, it just kind of solidified some of their thoughts about how bad that they think that Birmingham is. So my question to you is, how has Birmingham responded, if, if at all, about dealing with the negative publicity that came about with just that event that happened over that day or two? Um. I'm going to, if it's okay with, with you, Bernard, I'd kind of like to maybe take us off in another direction and we'll sure. get to that. We'll sure. kind of get to that. Okay. Um, we have problems. We have growth problems in our area. Okay. And we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about my opinion as to why we've had these growth problems. Mm -hmm. um, the, I guess the, the, the couple of statistics that I think are helpful to understand this is that Jefferson County has had no growth over the past 50 years. If you looked at the population of Jefferson County over the past 50 years, it hadn't gone up and it hadn't gone down. Unfortunately, uh, if you the estimates that have come out from the census, the census is not complete, but they have estimates that have come out. Mm -hmm. that in the past 10 years, Jefferson County has lost about 3,000 residents. Mm -hmm. But the numbers are really far worse than what they appear. Because if you look at the net migration, that's people from the United States who've moved in or out of Jefferson County, it's dropped by 25,000 in the past 10 years, which is a pretty, un, uh, not a very good number. Um, what's happened is they've got, Jefferson County has made up some of that 25,000 with um, people who were born, more people were born than died, and some international people have moved here. Mm -hmm. um, there's a general feeling that, oh, well, that's okay because people are moving to Shelby County and so forth like that. But our metropolitan area has not had any much growth either during that time period. In fact, at Shelby County, it's it's projected that the in in great you know migration in and out over the past ten years has been about six thousand, and that's not take up that doesn't make up much much difference for that. Um, and so, in fact, it was just announced in the last week, and if you keep up on AL.com, that it had been projected that Huntsville would grow to be larger than Birmingham um, in the next four or five years, and they now project that that could happen in the next year or so. Um, but again, we're only talking, of, when you say Birmingham and Huntsville, mm -hmm. you're only talking about the city of Birmingham mm -hmm. and Huntsville, the Huntsville, Huntsville city. Metropolitan area of Birmingham is probably way, way more than twice as large as Huntsville. It's not even, not even a close race. Mm -hmm. So loss of population, not a big increase in jobs, 
And if you look at the number of public companies that were headquartered here, it's gone from in the past 25 or 30 years down from 30 public companies to eight. So wow. those, those are numbers that give you an indication that maybe things are not as good as they could be. The thing that's strange about it is that we're in the heart of the Sun Belt. And if you look at most of the metropolitan areas that had the biggest growth, it's been in the Sun Belt. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, you would almost have to work overtime to not have any growth when the rest of the Sun Belt is growing. So there's gotta be some systemic problems that we have here. And not only are we in the heart of the Sun Belt, that Birmingham region, we really have some smart and generous people. In fact, if you look at on the internet and try to find the areas that are the most generous, Birmingham generally comes up usually in the top five most of the time. And you know, if you were ever to get on the interstate and have a wreck or something like that, 80 people would get out of their car to help you. If you fell down on the street, somebody would come and help you. I mean, this is, th these are really nice people. And I live, I live in Vestavia Hills and I come off the hill going down to Homewood on Highway 31 and you look out into the valley and you, this is an absolutely gorgeous place to live. Not too many, we have beautiful springs and falls, mountains, it's very pretty. We have the best healthcare probably just about any city in the Southeast. And we're at what we call a 20 minute city, which means people can easily get around. You know, it's a big, it's not good for quality of life when you spend your whole car, time in your car trying to go back and forth. And so, you know, we're in the heart of the Sun Belt. We have smart and generous people. Um, it's, Birmingham is gorgeous. We have great healthcare and it's easy to get around. And yet we don't have any, we don't have much growth. So, you know, I'd kind of like to get into possibly why that is mm -hmm. and give you a sense of, you know, an understanding of that. Oh, I'd, um, I'd love to, I'd love to hear that. David, okay. let me ask you before you pivot into that. Sure. Are you, are you familiar with Dave, uh, with Paul Hemphill's book, Leaving Birmingham? I have not. I need to know about it though. It, it's a book that he, he's, uh, Mr. Hemphill grew up in the either Inslee or West End area, but ultimately moved to Atlanta. And he does, I think it's, it's one of the, the most important books that I have read, and I'm gonna put it in the comments here so people can see it. It's one of my favorite books, in that, and I've read it several times, but it's his take on why, and I know this is a little bit different topic than what, you, what we're going into, is why Atlanta became what Atlanta became and Birmingham stayed the way that Birmingham stayed. And I won't get too deep into it. And I wish Mr. Hemphill was still living because I would have loved to have talked with him about his perspective of growing up in Birmingham. And anyway, the long story short is he really addresses how Atlanta was able to grow where Birmingham in the 50s and 60s and largely due to the the government at the time and uh, Bull Connor, et cetera, just never changed. And I did not know if you were aware of that book and or how it, uh, if you had any opinions of it, but I'd love to circle back with you another time. We could definitely talk about that book, but let's let's go back to, to your thoughts. And I, I wanna go back to, to, to what, where you were headed with why or how uh, the trends about Birmingham. Right. And, and let me tell you that I've kind of garnered this 
my thoughts because I was past chairman of the Chamber of Commerce, which is now the Birmingham Business Alliance. I was past chairman of Operation New Birmingham, which is now Rev Birmingham, and I'm past chairman of the City Action Partnership, people who ride around on bicycles and so forth downtown and try to help people. And so I had an opportunity to visit lots of other cities to find out what, what is the difference? Well, I mean, why have other cities done well and Birmingham not done so much? And to me, it became pretty obvious. And it, it's more than one item. So it's not just one, but we'll start off with number one. Um, the city of Birmingham has about 200,000 people. Um, Metropolitan Birmingham has about 1.1 million. So the city of Birmingham represents less than 20% of the population of our metropolitan area. So that when I talk to groups or talk to people, most people don't live in the city of Birmingham. You're the exception. Um, and so you don't have a lot of people who actually live in Birmingham. Okay, that, what that means is that the mayor of Birmingham only has so much clout and only so much resources. And so um, you could, as I like to say, you could have Moses who was the mayor of Birmingham. There's only so much that person could do because of its lack of um, territory and people and assets and resource to do it. And then in addition to that, the city of Birmingham is asked to take on most of all, all the expense of all the amenities, whether it's protective stadium that's being built, it's being funded largely by the city of Birmingham, not by, by anyone else. And, um, and that's true of um, uh, botanical gardens, it's true of the Birmingham Zoo or any, you know, just most of the things that require money is gonna come from the city of Birmingham. Um, the second thing is that there are 35 separate municipalities in Jefferson County. So that's 35 mayors, um, 35 city council people, um, 53 fire departments, 23 police departments, wow. the sheriff's department, 17 jails. Um, it kind of goes on and on and on. And so um, you have this, because of the 35 cities, and we can go into all the problems that that creates. Um, so you have that. So Birmingham's a small portion of the total. You have 35 separate cities. Um, Jefferson County, um, you have five county commissioners. All of them are elected by district. So not a single county commissioner represents or was elected by the total population of Birmingham, of, the, of Jefferson County. And so consequently, they will, they, I'm not, these are good people who mean to do well, but the government structure makes it um, very difficult to represent the entire city. And when the issues come up, say black and white, um, say Cooper Green Hospital, a number of years ago, the, the county commission made the decision to make it not an in, you know, where you go into the hospital, but make it for clinics. And the African-American population felt like it should have stayed as a hospital. The white population didn't. So you have five districts, two were African-American, three were white, and the county commissioners voted accordingly. Now, I'm sure all county commissioners thought they were making the right decision, but you know, you're gonna go with what your constituent, constituencies want. Um, and you know, one of the first things that you learn in elementary school and government class is that there are three branches of government, judicial, executive, and legislative. Jefferson County does not have an executive branch. So you only have a legislative branch and Thomas Jefferson 
would have told you about all the problems that are created by that. And many county commissioners in the past have ended out in jail. And that shouldn't be surprising at all because we don't have any balance of power there and we have no person again who represents the entire county. And then you have a state constitution that doesn't allow for home rule. So that the counties and the cities, many decisions they can't make themselves, they're made by the state legislature. And so consequently, you can't even hold the county commissioners responsible because there's things that they just can't do because the state legislature. So you have the city of Birmingham representing a small portion of the total, 35 separate municipalities, um, five county commissioners that don't represent necessarily all of the county, and then you have this lack of home rule. So if you add all that up together, you end up with dysfunction. So if um, Bernard decided that he wanted to quit practicing law and take on an elected position that could make a huge difference in our area, there's nothing to run for. The mayor represents a small portion of the total, the county commissioners one fifth of a county, the state legislatures even smaller segments of that. This, this doesn't paint a very good picture. It really seems like a lot of confusion and, and chaos at times. And it, yeah. David, how, how does, I'm, I'm not asking you, how do we, how is it fixed? I guess I'm, I want to ask, what is Birmingham doing to become better version of itself? How does it reach its potential? Um, well, let's, let's go, let's skip to the Community Foundation of Greater Birmingham in, in its wisdom that made the decision um, to, ha to have a study of our region and look and see what we've done in Birmingham, how Birmingham looks, and then find four other cities that used some government change or function that was different than Birmingham where they used to be segmented and now they're working together and having great success. And see if one of those four cities could be a good role model for Birmingham. And so they published that study and anybody who wants to look at it, it's fairly lengthy though there is a, a summary of it. Um, and you can get it, you can get it at uh, togetherweprosper.org togetherweprosper.org and it'll tell you what they found out by visiting these four cities and what they learned. So let me kind of go through the four cities that they looked at and quickly give you an overview of what, how that's worked out for these cities and then talk about what we've done at Birmingham, in Birmingham region since that and we have. So this is gonna be some good news at the end of all this and hopefully more to come after that. The first city they looked at, well, first of all, there's one government function that, take Nashville. We know how well Nashville is done. Oh, gosh, yeah. Uh, Nashville has, where we have 35 municipalities in Jefferson County, mm -hmm. they have one city in Allegheny, and in, in um, Davidson County. Mm -hmm. So they have one, they're one, you know, they're one organization. They can plan together as a region, um, they have all the benefits of not all the duplication, everybody kind of working towards the same thing where we have 35 separate municipalities. David, I lived in Nashville when I was at Vanderbilt in the 80s, and the downtown district 
was not a place that you would really ever want to go, particularly at night. But we've all seen the transformation in the last 20 years of what's happened downtown. That city has exploded. And I think that they're probably one of the highest growth rates in the country. I know that their hotel prices either rival or surpass New York uh, at times, because if you want to go in the fall to see a college or pro football game, you're paying four, five, and $600 a night to stay in the downtown footprint. So whatever they have done, <laughs> they, have, they have really succeeded in big, big way. Right. But the city that was chosen to be studied was not Nashville because Nashville did, did this county city um, consolidation in the 60s. They said, let's find a city that's done it more recently. So they looked at Louisville. Mm -hmm. And Louisville actually did it in 2003, mm -hmm. and um, and Louisville has been much stronger since. They've gotten all kinds of major projects done before that they weren't able to get done before. Mm -hmm. So that was one model that Birmingham could theoretically look at. Mm -hmm. By the way, that would be a t tough sell here in Birmingham. Um, the Louisville model? The, the model of having a county city government. Mm -hmm. um, is a tough sale. And one of the reasons, look, everything, uh, I almost can say this is a fact, almost everything in, that related to this area and plenty, probably many other areas relate to race. Mm -hmm. And um, and so consequently, many people feel like if you did any kind of government consolidation, you'd end up having to um, combine the school systems, which is a non-starter. And there's nobody proposing any idea that that's gonna happen because nobody would ever allow it to happen. Um, and this bring, Bernard, this brings up an interesting question. How did we end out, end out with 35 you know, cities in the beginning? It's relating to Alabama law. If you were to go to Georgia or Tennessee, the school systems are all done by county. So there was no big advantage to starting a new city because you're still gonna be going to the county schools. Alabama has a law that says that if you have, if your municipality have 5,000 people or more, you can have your own school system. Mm -hmm. So when, in, when integration came about, there was a rush to start all these separate cities. And so we have 35 cities, but we also have 12 school systems in Jefferson County. And there was an effort to make a new school system in Gardendale, which the government, federal government kind of nixed but um, that's one of the reasons that we're kind of divided like, like we are just because of that Alabama. Many people don't understand the distinction. Well, sure, it's just that's, that's part of the, the history of our state and our region with the white flight that occurred and all the cities that were created close to 100 years ago. I'm sure that that only contributed to, to where we are today. And I doubt that any of these other cities were created in, or not, not cities, but other regions such as Nashville, such as Louisville or, or other cities were created in a similar manner as Birmingham and the metro area. Right, there was no big rush to necessarily create a new city. So therefore you didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. So that was one city that, that was looked at in the study. The second city is Charlotte and Charlotte has also done very well. Mm -hmm. um, and what, can, what Charlotte did is not combine their county and city government. Mm -hmm. They did what is called a functional consolidation, mm -hmm. which basically said that the um, political leaders decided to sit down as adults and kind of work together to figure out how they could be more successful. Mm -hmm. And so what they did is they said, you know what? Um, 
the county has a, a police department. The city has a police department. Why do we have two police departments? Mm -hmm. The county has a, um, uh, you know, fire department the city had yeah i mean so what they did is they just took all the different government entities uh, major government entities and they just divvied it up so that you didn't have to have two of everything sure um now keep in mind that much of allegheny i mean most much of the county where charlotte is charlotte makes up a good portion of the county so it was easier to do right. i think it's better than 70 percent that they you know they started off with Whereas Birmingham is at 19%, that makes it much more difficult. So, but that didn't require, you know, combining school systems or doing anything like that. So that was not, that's just how they were able to get it done. Sure, sure. David, I, I want to pause you for just a second because I want to welcome folks who are watching with us. I'm talking with David Shear. He is the publisher and founder of Comeback Town that gives a voice to the people of Birmingham and the state of Alabama. We're talking about a little bit of Birmingham history, why Birmingham uh, is the way that it is from a functioning standpoint or sometimes dysfunctioning standpoint. David, I don't mean to, to rush you at all, but we've got we've got several minutes left. What I, what were the other two cities without going into too much detail, because I, I really want to pivot to what is going good for our city, because there's so many wonderful things that I I'm aware of, and I know you know much more, but what were the other cities that were compared or, or viewed? Okay, the third city was Pittsburgh and Allegheny County in Pennsylvania. Mm -hmm. And um, what they did is we talked earlier about having three branches of government. Mm -hmm. uh, Allegheny County only had two branches of government, just like Jefferson County. They created an executive branch, the pers person who became the mayor of the county. Mm -hmm. Pittsburgh has thrived in the last three, few years. It said originally that, you know, right now, the most important, three most important politicians in uh, Pennsylvania are the governor of Pennsylvania, mm -hmm. the mayor of Philadelphia, and the mayor of Pittsburgh. In that position, they didn't have a seat at the table before because wow. Pittsburgh has more than 100 different cities to our 35. Mm -hmm. So to, to have a county, a stronger county by having an executive branch, is a possibility and something that I'd like for us certainly to consider in the future. And the fourth city is the one we actually were able to get something out of, and that was Denver. I have to say to begin with that Denver is a city that has a county city government, but that's not the reason that that, that, that they looked at, at Denver. Um, what, what Denver's did is their mayors and I, they have a bunch of different mayors around the area of the core, you know, the core area, area of Denver, decided to sign an agreement that they were not going to poach businesses away from one another. And we didn't go into that in Jefferson County, but I, I, I need to take a minute to kind of talk about that just so you understand why this solution is so important. Um, over the past 20 or 25 years, I figure we have spent in excess of $200 million paying companies to move from one side of town to the other wow. with, no, with no benefit at all. I'll give, you a, I'll give you a quick rundown of how that has played out just to give you an example. Uh, Tom Williams Buick, Tom Williams used to have an automobile dealership on the south side. Mm -hmm. Irondale gave them several million dollars to move out to Irondale. Mm -hmm. The city of Birmingham said this didn't feel good because we've lost all that sales tax money. 
So they went to Walmart and Sam's and said, we will pay you money to move out of Irondale and move back into Birmingham. Walmart bit, city of Birmingham gave them $11 million to move into the Eastwood Mall area. Mm -hmm. Sam's did not, but Sam's is out of business now, so it became moot. Mm -hmm. um, Irondale said, this is not a good situation that we've now, you know, that we've lost these businesses that get, generate a lot of income. So they decided, let's see if we can take um, Trinity Hospital, Baptist Montclair, and get them to move to Irondale. So they offered to do the infrastructure, started doing the infrastructure for that, and um, to move, move, move it out of Birmingham into Irondale, the city of Birmingham said, this isn't going to happen. So they um, paid, um, paid Grandview, what is now Grandview, $55 million to stay in the city of Birmingham. And so that, so that was $55 million that Birmingham was out, but they kept their hospital um, in order to protect it from Irondale. Um, Irondale, when, um, you know, Nick Saban, who everybody knows has a Mercedes dealership, is located in Hoover. Um, the Irondale paid $13 million to them to move out of Hoover to go to Irondale. And so you kind of see how this all plays out. So what the mayors in Denver had decided to do was that they just were not going to allow them to have businesses extort money from them. They understood that when you get through with all this, you spent all this money, the taxpayer dollars are gone. You have no new businesses. You have no new jobs. That's money that could have been used to recruit businesses from someplace else, to fight crime, to help education. And so that's what they did. And some, you know, I think there was some skepticism on the part of the people who came to Denver to look at it. And they found out it not only was it working, but the mayors had gotten together that any times a business wanted to come into that region and one of the cities couldn't handle it, they would sit down with the other cities and figure out who could, because they realized anybody, everybody benefits when a new business comes. Imagine, imagine that working together. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the good news here because the Community Foundation took that information. We have something that's called the Jefferson County Mayor's Association. And I think that they met monthly and I think it was a nice meeting and everybody said hello to everybody and, and so forth like that. But there was nothing really of any substance that was happening there. And so the Community Foundation sit down with, sat down with the mayors, explained to them the lack of job growth and population growth here and that if the, if the whole area didn't do well, then neither was their city going to do particularly well. Mm -hmm. And so they, they, they developed a, um, a document that where the mayors agreed that this, this was a couple of years ago, that they agreed that they would not poach cities, you know, businesses from one another. It has worked beautifully. Anytime as someone from the city of Birmingham told me that they used to have to spend untold hours every week from, trying to respond to businesses who said they were going to move mm -hmm. or and, and what, now what happens is they send them a form letter that says we don't do that anymore and now the mayors all talk if there's happening it's worked very nicely in fact it has worked so nicely that a couple of weeks ago the mayors associate and by the way they had 23 mayors that signed that document and so there were still 12 cities that hadn't signed the document though the biggest cities had and there's some cities so small in the county it doesn't make any difference anyway. They're not doing any economic development. 
but a couple of weeks ago, all the mayors signed agreement through the mayor's association that all the mayors, including Irondale, have all agreed that there, nobody, there's not gonna be any more poaching going on in the future. And they've also identified a half a dozen other items that they think that the cities can do together that can make it better for everybody. This has been a huge win. Well, that's, that's, that's good to hear in the time that we have left, David. That's where I want to talk about. Tell us the good stuff that's going on in our metropolitan area. You know, just as, as when I ride my bike around downtown in the footprint, whether it's south side or, or, or the north side of Birmingham, I see so much construction. I see condos being built. I see restaurants are hopefully uh, reopening and businesses reopening, but I I, I'm, I'm a very pro-Birmingham person, and anybody who knows me, I, I talk about all the good that's going on. So please share with us a little bit, because I'm very excited about Uptown, the new stadium that's being built, and things like that. Great. And before I do that, I, I, I want to ask folks on, the, on, on this call to consider signing up for the Comeback Town newsletter. You just go to comebacktown.com. And I put the link in the show notes here so folks can just easily. Uh, right. And um, you'll get an email that comes out once every other week. Mm -hmm. And it's easy to opt out if it becomes a burden. But it have you an opportunity to hear what the voices of Birmingham and Alabama say and give you an opportunity to respond or give your feedback on that, too. Mm -hmm. um, Birmingham took forever to get its job get the number of jobs back. In fact, last year, they finally got back to the number of jobs, and I'm talking metropolitan Birmingham, not the city of Birmingham, finally got back to the number of jobs that happened prior to the recession in, 20, in 2008. And then the pandemic hit, and Birmingham went right back to where they were before. All the, good, all the number of jobs went back to where they were before. Wow. But for some reason, which I don't know that anybody can identify, since the last few months, Birmingham's job market has done much better than many of the others around the country. Mm -hmm. And um, many projects that everybody thought was just going to be down the tubes um, have come back with a vengeance. Uh, it, it just seems like that we've just been overrun with developers and out-of-state money coming into our area. Um, I have all kinds of reasons why people think that this may have happened. Um, First of all, there seems to be a lot of money to be invested. And second, because people don't necessarily have to work in the city that they were working for where their company was. There have been a number, and I know a number of people, maybe who used to live in New York, other places, decided they can live in Birmingham and still do their jobs. And so I think this is happening to other many of communities that are not necessarily New York or San Francisco, where things are very expensive and very difficult to live. And I think that certainly has been, been helpful. But the number of projects that have been announced or that are underway is just almost impossible to kind of keep up with. There's been so much of them. I had the opportunity, um, I assume that you're familiar with and much of the audience is familiar with the Red Mountain Theater. Oh, oh beautiful facility. Yeah, they've opened up a new wow. facility on Southside that will just is just magnificent. I actually, David, I peeked on my bike ride just the other day. I peeked in the windows. I can't wait to start going back to, to seeing plays and, and productions there at the new facility. Right. And so, so that has just been a really big win for Birmingham. 
Um, community has really supported the Red Mountain Theater in order to get that done. And so we that's that's an amenity that's that's probably better than many other cities you know have for that. So that that's certainly been good. And if you look at the number of major um, projects, I mean, uh, let's just take Caraway, where where Caraway Hospital used to be, and that property right there. There is huge amount. I mean, there's great plans for what that area is going to turn out to be, and and that North Birmingham area is very close to the city center. Um, which remarkable, you mentioned Uptown, you know, Bear Properties is the one who finally got put the deal together to kind of move it forward. Nobody thought that was going to be successful. I mean, they, they thought the city of Birmingham was crazy and Bear was crazy to try to do that. But Uptown has been very successful. And of course, then you have Top Golf there now. And then you have Caraway, this whole Caraway property and I understand the property values in that area is exploding. That's the, I think the hospital is what less than a mile, probably half a mile from where the Top Golf and the stadium are sitting in the Uptown area. So it's so very close. You're right. Right. And then if you take a look at what's happening, um, we talked earlier about Trinity Hospital and mm -hmm. and um, in that area, and there's a developer coming into the area and plans on spending a couple hundred million dollars to completely redevelop that Montclair Road area. Yeah, as a side note, David, I'm not real happy about that because it took away some of the trails that I so love. <laughs> I, I don't know if people realize, but along the Montclair corridor from the hospital area, actually beyond it toward getting closer to Walmart, all the way to the post office is over 11 miles of hiking trails in the woods just behind the properties. And that's right. I, I was going to mention one of the things from a topography standpoint and aesthetically in our metro area, we have hundreds of miles of hiking trails in the woods, over mountains and hills. And, and I, I, that's one of the places I truly spend a lot of my exercise and downtime. I just love that, that aspect of our city and of our region. But you're right, that's, they took away a couple of miles right there below the hospital's footprint uh, that I like to, to explore, but go, go ahead. Of course, that may be a loss, but if you look at what's going to happen at the rotary trail and moving on both sides the direction, I think you're going to see a major expansion in what in what's happening there. And and you you can't have this conversation without talking about um, Midtown and and what what, what where we're going to go back to Railroad Park. Mm -hmm. um, when the idea you know the idea of, of doing an urban park, which turned out to be Railroad Park was discussed for 25 years and everybody said, who in the world is gonna bring their family to an urban park? I mean, it was just, you had to be a crazy to even think this was an idea that could possibly work. And I don't know if, if you remember what that area looked like before Railroad well, I Park. I do, I once went to a concert. If you remember, they used to have the Schaefer uh, concert, the, the fundraiser uh, was there for a little bit. And it was all you'd see is old railroad park pieces and metal and scrap and cement. It looked awful. But now, my gosh, it's it's a gym. You'll see 500 people there on a Saturday doing their thing throughout the park. I love that area. Right. And so that turned out to be excess. And then, of course, when um, it was made the decision to take Region Field and move it next door, which never would have happened if the park hadn't been there in the first place. So that was the first thing. 
And that has been wildly successful. And when personally, you know, I've lived in Birmingham my entire life. And when I walked in that area, compared to what it used to look, look like not all that long ago, yeah. I actually feel like I'm walking on another planet. <laughs> I mean, and, and the construction continues. If you if you go down into that area, there is construction everywhere as they continue to build more and more residential, more and more restaurants. I mean, for many years, the whole big question is, how? What are we going? We don't even have a have a um, a, a supermarket there, but now we have Publix, and um, and many other you know bars and um, beer places and restaurants, and it just kind of goes on for blocks and blocks. And of course, the Rotary Trail that we talked about is just a big win, and they're already talking about extending it in both directions. And there's a whole plan for how that trail is going to go out for many, many miles. Parts of them have been developed, but it's, they're all going to tie it in together and, and turn it into something special. For those of you who don't know the Rotary Trail, it is, I guess they used to call it the First Avenue Viaduct, and it sunk below the street level. And I think it was a depository for old railroad parts for a long time. But now it is a beautifully manicured uh, walkway through there. You're below the street level for most of it, but it is a really neat, uh, maybe half mile, quarter mile. I'm not sure how long it is, but I'd love to see that extended. And you can take it uh, to rail, almost a railroad park within a block or three uh, of there. David, we've got just a minute or two before, and I, I wish we could talk forever because it seems like we have a lot of shared uh, interests and, and desires for our city to continue to improve. But I want to give you the closing word here. I want you to, to share with why maybe some optimism, some more, some more good tidings and how Birmingham can, can reach its potential and where it's going. Right. With all the negatives that we've talked about here, the bottom line is, and I feel this strongly, and I think most people who live here feel the same way, we have some of the best quality of life in this area that anybody has just about anywhere. Um, we have beautiful neighborhoods. We have um, really good school systems. There's some that maybe are not as good as others, but we have many, you know, good school systems. The people are generous, as we talked about, and smart. Our healthcare keeps getting better and better. We haven't mentioned UAB at all. Mm -hmm. which is like, let's forget the most important thing. UAB has just been um, amazing. In fact, I think they just announced yesterday a new Alzheimer's drug. I don't think there's been a new drug on the market for the past 20 years. And it was helped develop at UAB. And um, uh, my wife is a breast cancer survivor and I'm totally convinced that she wouldn't be alive today if it wasn't for UAB. Um, they take up in excess of a hundred square blocks here. Many people come move to Birmingham because of UAB. Um, when my wife was dealing with her chemo and so forth, we'd go to Kirkland Clinic an awful lot. And people behind the counter would say, where are you from? And we say Birmingham. And they were like, always surprised because people have come from everywhere. Mm -hmm. And we had like a 15 minute drive to, to come there. So, I mean, it, the, the thing that's so amazing is a lot of people don't want to move to Birmingham because they have a perception that we kind of started talking about at the beginning of what Birmingham is. Um, when people move here, many of them retire here. Um, they, many people, in fact, 
are asked to move to other, you know, to more important jobs in other areas, and they've turned them down so that they can stay here in Birmingham. Because we've made, we still have that Southern culture of caring about people. And in, in Birmingham, you can make a difference for, for what, you know, in your life. And so it's a great place to be. And I wouldn't, I personally wouldn't live anyplace else. Um, not even threatening to do that. The, the best, to me, the best part of a trip when I go on a vacation is coming back to Birmingham. That, that says, that's an enormous statement right there, is coming back to Birmingham. We haven't touched on the world games that are scheduled for next year. We have not talked about the awesome restaurant scene. Don't sleep on Birmingham's restaurant scene. It's underrated. And maybe it's not so underrated because we have some world-class restaurants here. David, I, I want to do part two sometime later this fall because we got so many other great things that we can talk about our city. But I want to thank you for your time uh, today and the time that you put in with Comeback Town. Again, the link is in the show notes. Uh, David loves our city. He loves our state and he promotes what's good and what's bad and talks about the hard stuff and the good stuff. So thank you, David, for spending some time with us to talk about Birmingham today. It's my pleasure. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk, Bernard. Absolutely. And guys, that's why I do conversations, interesting conversations with people in their areas of expertise. And no one knows our city any better than David Shear. So thank you all for spending some time with us. And we will see you again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central. Y'all have a good week. Thanks.